down. What is going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. Uh, we're coming to you live with a roundtable discussion, Thinking Grow Rich Mindset. We're talking about, what are we talking about today? I was talking about imagination. Get a little imagination. This is step five in the 13 Steps to Riches. Uh, this is one of the most fun ones because we get to just make stuff up today. So if we weren't making stuff up the previous five episodes, well, we're going to make a lot of stuff up today. And we're going to use our imaginations. Let's have some fun here. And so before we get into imagination as being the uh, fifth step in 13 Steps to Riches, I'm going to introduce you to um, our two co-hosts today, John Bodnar and Tim Cruz. And they're going to tell you a little about themselves before we dive into the next step, the fifth step in the Thinking Grow Rich Mindset episode. So uh, John, if you want to start us out, who are you, my friend? My name is John Bodnar, and I'm a coach at BSB Wealthy Body Coaching. And my, my mission in life, my, my purpose is to help people make good decisions and, and realize that they have the power to make the best decisions for their life, and they can start making those decisions today. I've personally struggled with the past and self-sabotage, and now I'm at a place where I actually know how to make decisions. I want to pass that along to people who struggle in similar ways. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to have you on here. And Mr. Tim Cruz, who are you, my friend? What's going on, guys? Coach Tim with BSB Wealthy Body Coaching. Um, I am a self-proclaimed meathead slash nerd. What that means is I love to pick heavy things up and set them back down and read books. Um, I've been hell-bent on finding the limit of my own natural potential, um, both physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, XOXO. Um, and really my passion and what gets me up in the morning is, uh, is being able to help other people, serve other people in helping them manifest and realize the best, strongest, healthiest, wealthiest versions of their own bodies. Um, so that's why I'm here and I'm here to serve. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to have you guys both on here today. Let's go and let's dive in. This one's going to be a fun one today. So step five, imagination and the 13 steps to riches. So the imagination is the workshop where all plans are created by man. The impulse, desire, is given shape, form, and action through the aid of imaginative faculty of the mind. It has been said that man can create anything in which he can imagine. So John, start us out today. Imagination, what is it, and what does that mean to you? To me, imagination is something that is driven by, driven by desire, primarily. Um, for example, if since we're talking about wealth, if you are obsessed with finding ways to make money your imagination imagination is the is the well, the catalyst for actually coming up with a solution to the problem or the the goal of making money because you have to come up with a way to do it it's on one hand it's it could, imagination can be very tactical it's saying like okay in order to accomplish this i need to do this this and this but in order to come up with what that first this is you have to sit down and think about it or it just comes to you or you just imagine this amazing possibility and do everything in your power to manifest it, make it real. And so really, if you don't have imagination and it doesn't have to be like this intense, vivid, uh, you know, grand imagination, you could literally be imagining being a millionaire and then figuring out the steps from there. So to me, it's a, it's a vehicle that is, that drives, or that is, excuse me, that is driven by desire and allows you to actually have some focus and understand where you're going to. Awesome. Tim, what is your take on imagination? So first off, I'm, I'm not really going to add much to what John said because I think he nailed it pretty spot on. Um, I believe imagination is kind of the second uh, second step in uh, creation. So first is, is desire. Like I want something, want X. 
imagination is literally that that creative faculty that we have that that draws like even if it's a loose framework it draws it, it, the beginning plans of whatever your desire would be um but what i do want to add to this is that imagination is something that's innate within all uh human beings right like we're born very imaginative like if you talk to a four-year-old kid they are chuck full imagination and somehow along the way imagination gets beat out of us so it's really bringing that back to that childlike spirit of being able to visualize and pretend and then when we what what is the adage thoughts become things when we can imagine especially the more specifically we can imagine the easier it is to manifest that into reality. So if we talk about like Walt Disney, Walt Disney is um, a, a perfect example. Like he was like a, like a 70 year old child. And, and the fact that he, he went down to this empty plot of land and I don't remember who was showing it, some investors or friends. Um, and he had the entire vision of Disneyland like before he even purchased the land. And he purchased the land on, on, this, on this dream and on this hope um, that he was gonna turn into this massive company. And now, I mean, look at Disney now. They are just phenomenally massive and his imagination, not only did it create all of that, but it spread like a virus, if you will, to the other people that were in his organization, the other higher ups. So they have creative, um, uh, whatever you call them, the people that that's literally their job is they sit down, like think Pixar, like they literally sit down and they just imagine stuff every day, all day. And, and then they have that. And then they have the team of technicians who take that imagination and make it reality. And I know we're talking about media here, but there's no difference between he actually physically manifested Disneyland and Disney, the company out of nothing but thin air and this idea. And that was littered through the power of imagination. So I think to sum it up, that's us as a child. And we need to, if that's been squashed, we need to bring it back. But in our children or the youth, like we need to like stop kicking that out of them because that's powerful. Yeah. So there's actually two points I want to make both that I could literally on exactly what you said, Tim. So let's go back to the Disney, to the Walt Disney reference. And uh, so I don't know if anybody knows this, but like, like, like the Disney parks opened after Walt Disney had passed away. Um, and so someone asked his brother, it's like, what do you think that Walt would have thought about when he saw, like when he actually saw this come to fruition? And his brother said, he saw this, like he saw it up here. Like he's seen Disney World. It's all started right here. I thought that was just really powerful that his brother said that, right? So that was just really just right on what, what Tim was talking about earlier. Uh, that all starts up here. It starts in your imagination, right? And then the second piece is talking about kids. Again, like the next example I was going to use. So I have two kids. I have an 11-year-old and I have a two-year-old. And so being able to watch my 11-year-old uh, like go through this, like this phase, actually, what you're talking about is where we get the imagination kicked out of us. And like this, like she is super like um like has a great imagination like always would play with herself like play like she would like literally play in the bathtub for hours and hours just playing you know just playing right just playing I play make-believe basically right and then as now she's getting older and she's starting to get into like using her phone and starting doing like being like watching tv shows it's funny how you said that Tim because like me and me and, my, and Katie my wife talked about it she's like man she used to be so uh use have, have such a good imagination now she's just like I'm bored I'm bored Right? It's like, well, now you're choosing to be bored because now you think if you don't have your phone, you don't have this distraction, whatever it is, you know, for an 11 year old, it's freaking TV shows and, and TikTok, right? <laughs> uh, like all of a sudden we like, we like, we create a stunt in our imagination by distracting ourselves with 
whatever it is, social media. Uh, and then it can, it can obviously grow into other things like food, like booze, like partying, whatever it may be. Like so many other things we distract ourselves, but we stop actually taking time to think. Like when's the last time that, like if you're watching this or even you guys, like, like actually putting on your calendar, like I'm just gonna go think, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go create, I'm gonna go imagine something, right? Or I'm gonna put make-believe, right? And so I think it's really important to understand that like it is, it is very much like we are very innate uh, in our imagination, right? So I've seen it, I've seen it come and I've seen it kind of slowly go, right? Now with our two-year-old, it's so funny. Um, very much like with him said, it's very innate. Like she plays make-believe and it's, it's so funny because I like, we're in bed, I'm like, I'll pretend to go sleep. I'm like, oh, I'm sleeping. She's like, oh, and then she'll pretend to sleep and she's like, wake up, wake up, right? Like, like she's literally playing make-believe, right? And it's just cool to, like, it really is innate. It's like, we, we are naturally, uh, imagine ourselves, you know, in certain situations, like imagine ourselves sleeping in that situation. We can imagine ourselves being wealthy. We can imagine ourselves being really fit, but it actually all starts up here because once you actually imagine up here, then you can actually start to manifest it out here. Um, and like, just like the very last thing of this says, like you must create up here first and then anything you can imagine up here, like you can actually put it on into the, our, our physical, um, our physical reality. Right. So Okay, let's move on to the next one. And yeah, okay, go for it, Tim. So from a biological um, sense, imagination, if you will, that prefrontal cortex in our, in our brain is actually what separates us from every other mammal, primate, animal on earth. And, and there's a reason that apes and, uh, I mean, there's other incredibly intelligent dolphins, animals out there. Um, but there's a reason they're not creating skyscrapers. They're not inventing Google. They're not making AI. They're not doing, and it, it, the main difference is that we have the ability to manifest thoughts in our brain and, and create those into reality versus an ape or a dolphin. Like they might be incredibly intelligent, but they lack the ability of imagination. So it's literally the one thing that separates the human species, homo sapien, from the rest of life on earth. And so let's let's make that transition. What you're talking about, like, what is like? So when you see the slide, man's limitation is in his development and use of imagination. Like, where do you see the most people limit themselves? Where's the biggest opportunity of, of improvement for people? When you say like, what's what what how do we limit ourselves the most? Yeah, like, so if if this is true, if man's only limitation lies in his development and use of imagination, where do you see most people literally limit themselves? Where they like just like say that. It's like they limit themselves. I think that, that's it. I mean, it's it literally lies in, in imagination, and we we can coin that phrase in a different way. Yeah. Um, we use the language of self-limiting belief, mm -hmm. and that's literally the lack of imagination. That's the lack of vision. Um, like so, for instance, we'll take what's his name, Roger Bannister, mm -hmm. um, as an example. Is that is that a, the right name? Yep. So the first man that ran a four-minute mile before him it was thought even in physiological textbooks that it is impossible for a human being to run a mile faster than that well so at some point banister was like no i'm gonna do it i'm gonna break it and sure enough he did and within a year there was like eight to ten cases of people breaking that mile and it was because he proved that a human being could do it if we if we go back in time even further there was an actual fear that go like when they were building the steam engine train that if a human being went faster than what, like 25, 30 miles an hour, that our atoms would pull apart and we would cease to exist. It would kill us. And now we have planes that are going Mach 7. And, 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 and honestly, like, I mean, the sky's kind of the limit there. Like, 
And that all comes from imagination. But the flip side of that is we put a damper on that by putting limits on ourselves. So that's the self-limiting belief. Like I can't do that. And when you be like the moment you say that, the moment you think that you have just put a ceiling on what your capability is. Yeah. Yeah. And the language I like to use in that same situation um, is anytime I hear somebody, I can't, like, I can't afford something. It's like, the moment you say, I can't, your brain literally just what you said to him, it just stops. It shuts down, says, okay, like this is the answer. Nothing. There is no, there is no answer. There's no cure. There's no, there's no solution. And versus if you turn that language around and say, how can I afford this? Then that's obviously you calling on your imagination. That's you calling on this, this, these ideas and you're saying nicer to think differently. Like, okay, how do I make this work? How can I afford this? How can I make this happen? Um, that's between someone who uses their imagination versus somebody who just is, has what I call a concrete brain, right? We have, we have a brick brain and we, and we, and we have a bubblegum game, uh, bubblegum brain, which again, I learned from my 11 year old, right? Brick brains, I think it's through there. And bubblegum games, you're able to absorb, you're able to like take things and like and continue to like be a sponge and learn, right? And so that's what I think of when I think of this is like the supplementing beliefs is just like the I can't, uh, I'm not capable. When it comes to losing weight, like my body doesn't, I, I can't lose weight. I can't stick to routines. I'm not consistent. Is all these limiting beliefs that you just talked about, Tim. That's what I consider the you know, lack of imagination for sure as well. John, give me an example where, where, where you see people um, really limit themselves with lack of imagination. I think it's more so... Well, the, the direction I'm going to go with it is more so not necessarily lack of belief, at, at least not, not inherently, but more so not even be, be having the willingness to attempt, which is because of limiting beliefs. But, you know, what I see, what I see in myself more often than I'd like is just distractions, you know, being on your phone, like you mentioned with, with your 11 year old, being on your phone, not thinking about anything, watching TV, you know, some people just have TV on all day. You don't even pay attention to it, but it's just enough to where as soon as they're silenced, they don't have to think about anything. And so when you're not, when you're not exercising it, when you're not exercising your imagination, then not only are you not imagining or creating anything, you're also making it harder to do so in the future because that imagination muscle is atrophying every single day. Mm-hmm. And something I've noticed in myself recently, I'm actually really glad that this is what's coming up, is I've become in a good way, a little bit more obsessed with, with finding ways to make money. And so I'm starting to think like, okay, I've got some ambitious goals. Like I got I can do things now. I started thinking about, uh, you know, uh, um, an app I can make, or, um, that's like the big things coming to mind or how I can better use social media, whatever that really looks like. And the reason that that has come up is because I have been taking more time away from distractions, less time on my phone, less time on my computer, more time walking. I got a pedometer so I could, I like got to go, go for walks now. And by, by just being in silence, it forces me to use my imagination, which will over time guaranteed manifest these things that I'm thinking about. But if I'm not taking the time to actually do it, if I'm continually distracting myself, I'll never get there because my imagina- imagination will go down to zero and I got nothing. Yeah. And I think ultimately what, you, what I took from that, John, is just like having some capacity to actually sit down and actually think and like question, like, question which is again it's another form of imagination just asking the right question it's like how can i make more money what skills do i currently have why do i have to wait why do i feel like i have to wait five years one year why do i have to feel like i have x amount of dollars in the bank account why do i why right it's basically it's not a question of why it's so like how do i how can i do it today how do i 
how do I become a millionaire tomorrow? You know, it's like asking the right question. That's ultimately what it comes down to. It's like, then you start to like think, create, right? Which is really cool. It's, and it's no coincidence that we've been talking about kids this whole time. Then it all of a sudden gets into asking why, because that's, that's what kids do, right? They ask why all the time. And that's, that's part of the imagination. If you, if you don't understand something, you got to ask why so you can imagine it better. Yeah. And if you're not asking the right questions, then you're holding yourself back. I used to hear lots of coaches. So I don't know if you guys um, like listen to any, any um, or like listen to like really successful coaches. But I think one of the things that's always stuck out to me about coaches is that the reason why they continue to coach, you know, far into like their older age is that they always say that the kids keep them young, right? Like the kids keep me young. I like to like, uh, I like to hear what they're doing. I like to keep up with them, you know? Um, and I think that ultimately like ha actually having kids yourself, I think that's actually what's designed to do is to keep you young and to keep you like, to give you like the markers of like how you should continue, how to be reminded of what it's like to actually be, to live life, a fulfilling life and a happy life. Cause like it becomes natural. Like it's natural for kids to be happy, right? It's like, why is it, right? Cause they just like, they're like, they're super curious. They just, they want to learn. Like they learn so much from the time they're born all the way up until they're, you know, four five, six, seven years old. Like they learn the most, like so much stuff at that time. And then all of a sudden, why does it stop? It's cause maybe they get less curious. Right. So it's like, how do we just continue to like, look at them, like remind yourself of being curious. And that's what it honestly reminds me of when I look at my, uh, my kids. I'm like, it reminds me to be curious. It reminds me to be playful. It reminds me to have fun. It reminds me to be a dork. Right. And so like, that's the reminder that I have uh, that to, to, to create that imagination, to think big. Cause like anytime a kid, you know, you have an 11 year old and she says that she wants to be an actor on Disney. Like, like you don't laugh at her. Right. You're like, okay, cool. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Right. Now as a 33 year old, you know, I'm like, I want to be on Disney. <laughs> it's funny. Right? It's like, I've never acted before. And all of a sudden, like, why, you know, like there's this gap. And so I think it's ultimately like, how do you continue to like have these big, these dreams of being an astronaut, a firefighter, right? Like all the things that we were supposed to be as kids. Uh, and like, how do we keep those in our adulthood? And like, how do you continue to want to be, you know, I'm, I'm literally using astronaut and firefighter um, and, and doctor as a like quotation. That's just like, what is, is very, is very popular, but like, how do you use like whatever your big goals are? How do you continue to have those dreams when you're in twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies? Like, like it doesn't have to stop, right? Um, and so that's always the question I always ask myself: is like, what are my dreams, and like, why? Like, why? Why are those my dreams? Why do I want those things? So, um, yeah. Anything you guys want to add to that before we move on? No, I'm I'm ready. All right. So let's talk about the two types of imagination. So. Since we have synthetic imagination, which is the ability to arrange old concepts, ideas, or plans into new combinations, then we have creative imagination, which is the finite mind has direct communication with infinite intelligence. And so inside the book, there wasn't a, a like the, the definition on, on, on synthetic imagination, which obviously was, was, was pretty clear. The creative imagination wasn't as clear. So my interpretation of this is essentially that this, the synthetic imagination is basically taking what we already know to be real. Like for instance, let's talk about um, a, a good example would be like a like an improvement offer, right? For like for an example, let's use Facebook and MySpace. And in, in this, and in, it's probably not a good example because there's even something for MySpace. But, but 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 let's just say that MySpace was the very first social media site. It, it was it was the very first big social media site. There was actually other sites before it. But but let's just say that it was the very first one. So MySpace would have been like a creative imagination of of Tom. You know, Tom created um, MySpace, this the social media site, and then all of a sudden, Facebook came around, like Zuckerberg, and he made it better. Right. And that's what I would consider synthetic imagination. He's a, he, he basically was able to arrange social media and make it a better concept to actually survive where MySpace turned into like a, like a music sharing app now. Right. So that's my, what, what I think of as synthetic versus creative imagination. 
Um, so John, tell me this, like, when, like, like we see these two things, like what is the thing, like either you, you can separate them out or just examples of what, what you see the difference of these two things being. So for, I think synthetic imagination, well, synthetic is a pretty, pretty reasonable word for it because it's still something that you're creating, but it's from substances, substances that already exist. You know, it's basically synthetic having to go find organic oil. Um, and they're both really valuable. That's, that's the cool part is with, with synthetic, like you can make billions of dollars like Zuckerberg did by creating a better version of something that already existed. Or you have, you have software companies that are constantly adding to their products, revamping it rather than creating it from the ground up. Yeah. So I guess really you know, looking at these two things, it's like, ooh, creative imagination. That sounds like way cooler, like way better. Mm -hmm. But don't be afraid to, to use synthetic imagination to, to your benefit. And I'd argue that most of us will, will benefit more from at least some synthetic imagination, most likely a combination of the two in order to, to maximize what we get out of life. So going back to, to my example of like, I really want to create an app. And I have the blueprint for it. I just need to figure out how to actually make one. Um, I'm close, but but I'm not basing it on anything that has never existed. You know, it's going to be based on like, okay, what are the best parts of my fitness pal? What are the best parts about the sheets that I already made with with my creative imagination? Like, how can I put those together to make something that is actually beneficial to people? So ultimately, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, it comes down to a combination of the two is what truly allows you to grow massively, whether it be uh, with your health or your wealth, or even you're even like imagining a better relationship with, with your partner. Like you have the ability to create things from the ground up to build what's already there. It's funny you say that because one of the, the uh, YouTube videos that I was, I was watching was a guy who, um, he said that he had failed at 24 businesses before he finally had his one that, that took off. And he's like, now that he has, now that he's got like a framework for how he like creates businesses, he says he always looks in other industries and he finds a business that's successful and he models it and he says, how can I make this that works over here in this totally different niche, totally different industry? How do I make that work in my niche? And that's basically what synthetic imagination is. It's like, take something that already works, but how do you apply it to uh, an, an industry maybe where it's not being replicated, where it's not being used? And so, whereas creative imagination is like, I'm going to create this whole brand new thing. I think what I see is people like, like, like they think of that as creative, they, they, they think of that as more creative imagination than the other, than, than, you know, than the first example I used. But I think the first example, like you said, John earlier, is actually the more valuable one, which is just understanding like, like what is already working has a good chance of working. <laughs> and, and Tony Robbins says like, if you want to be successful, find someone who's successful and just model them, like do what they do. Like if, if you want to be a billionaire, what does a billionaire do? You know, like, follow them. Like, what does a fit person do? Do what fit people do, right? It's, it's almost very simple, uh, but we always want to like create the whole new thing. They're like, no, like I gotta do it my way. And that's a lot of where I think we get in our own ways that we feel like we have to like create our own thing. We have to do our own thing to have this, um, this independence, right? Like this like idea that we've created things. And so that's why it's so important to, uh, to be able to have that all at the same time, also following a structure that actually works, which I think is like the whole point of mentorship is, is, is really just that, is that you're able to like take concepts that work, but you have to apply them to your life. And so that's the rule of value mentor is that they can give you that, that those systems, those processes, the things that work without, um, without just like telling you, like, like, like telling you exactly what to do. So you allow, allows you to have some autonomy in the process to say, okay, this is actually mine, but ultimately you're, you're, you're following a blueprint that actually is going to work. So that's where I kind of see this actually working more in a um, 
tactical or more um, real world example. So Tim, what are your thoughts on this? So first off, yeah, what you just nailed on right there, I think was gold. Um, I kind of see synthetic uh, imagination as uh, pattern recognition. Mm. So like being able to observe the world yeah. and it, it does take a certain type of brain to um, like be an innovator in a, in a field and be able to recognize patterns, put, put already existing technologies in place or systems in place and arrange them in a new way that, that makes the product or service better. Um, creative imagination. The language might be a little woo woo when we talk about like communication with the infinite intelligence, like, okay, mm. that, that might be a little bit harder to, to maybe understand, wrap your brain around. But I want you guys to think about this is uh, how your unconscious mind works or your subconscious. Like above, like you've seen the whole, the old iceberg analogy, right? Like our conscious brain is like the little tip of the iceberg and then 80% or more um, of what's actually going on in your brain is the unconscious mind. So it's gathering thousands, if not millions of data points all the time and, and, and drawing these conclusions, coming up with ideas and all we really need to do for that to be successful is to get out of its way. Um, and, and using kind of an analogy or a, an anecdote, if you will, uh, Thomas Edison was, 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 was noted as doing this quite often. So he would be working on a problem. You know, he was one of, like noted as one of the best inventors. So definitely a lot of creative imagination going on there, like coming up with brand new things that had never been seen before, but he would work on these things and he would run into blocks where like we maybe called writer's block, adventure's block, where like his brain just ceased to see patterns and put things together. And one of his favorite tactics to do was to be to shut the book, put it down, go to sleep. And he would fall asleep, he would wake up. And more often than not, he would wake up with the answer to the problem that he had. And he wasn't consciously thinking about that problem, but he'd been doing all of this work and gathering all these data points up until that point. And then he just let it, he just got himself out of the way and then his unconscious brain put the pieces together. So that's kind of the, the main difference that I see is like synthetic is very conscious and um, creative is very unconscious with a lot of data still being gathered by your unconscious brain, regardless of the infinite intelligent language that we use. Cause that kind of sounds woo, like the oversoul or like, you know, like yeah. the world's one type of thing, like from a biological, like actual, like what's going on internally um, sense, that's the unconscious mind. That's what that is. It's awesome. And it's funny to say that because I actually keep this notebook right next to me. And I mentioned this before, but this is my notebook that I wake up every single morning and whatever like ideas I have, like it's, it's seriously the number, the first thing I do is I get all these things that I thought of through the night and I put them on this, in this freaking notebook. Right. And it's funny to say that because I didn't, you know, I didn't actually put, put those two things together consciously, but I'm just like, man, I always have crazy ideas right in the morning. I always write them down. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's just, I'm, I'm the opposite. I do it before I go to bed because that's what keeps me up at night is <laughs> all day down and like my brain, just like trying to figure the world's problems out at night or my problems out mm -hmm. and I, I, it keeps me from sleeping. So I have a journal that I literally write all. And, and like you've said in the past, like nine out of 10, they're garbage. They, they're not good garbage. ideas, but, um, you write them down, you get them on paper brain dump. And then I'm able to like wake up the next morning and look at them and be like, Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. Mm -hmm. The other nine, we're just going to throw those away. But that one is good. Maybe I'll run that by another person to see if it, it passes their filter too. Yeah, I think I think people think that I get up early just because just because but like I, I just get up because I have these ideas. I have to get them out of my head. I'm like, okay, is it time to get up yet? Let's go. Let's put these ideas down. <laughs>
but I think that actually is a skill to be able to like manage that sleep schedule, but at the same time, be able to like, let your, like, like, like let your brain think. Um, so anyway, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm actually glad you said that. It kind of put, kind of put that together for me a little bit. Okay. Um, all right. And so this part is really cool. So back to ideas, like why are ideas so powerful, right? I think this is like, this is a great slide to end on because I think, again, kind of like what Tim was saying, like, it's like, there's nothing like tangible. You can't touch an idea, right? Um, you, you can't, um, you can't smell it. You can't taste it, right? You can just like see it up here and, and, and only you can see it, right? Until you're able to, to manifest. But until then, like, it almost feels like it has no value. But I think ideas are like the greatest things you can ever, you can ever create because there literally is like, there is no limit on what, like what that idea can, can make you or what it can, it can yield you, what value can bring to the world. Um, and it's honestly up to you to decide like how much that, how much that idea is worth, right? And value. Again, I'm not talking monetarily either, but uh, it's actually really, it's, it's really fascinating to think about. So Tim, I want, you to start, I want you to start like, like when you see this, like, what do you think of when you think of like imagination as it being like, it has like, like the, like the only price is the price that you name on it. Yeah, I think it's a very esoteric uh, statement because mm -hmm. ideas can be, uh, well, for, for, for starters, they're only as valuable as you make them as mm -hmm. if you follow through and actually manifest them into reality, right? So like, yeah. whether it's like, you know, I had this idea on, on how to maybe navigate my morning schedule in the morning and I'm gonna try this new the idea that I have. It's not worth anything until you implement it and try it. Um, same thing with like an invention. Like you have this, like how many people have like that relative that's like, oh, I got, like, I remember my dad, like this was like 10 years before TiVo was invented. Um, like he had an idea that of like using a tape deck and, and having it like play on a loop and he would record. He actually built one. And this was like when he, when I was very young, he built one, it was well before TiVo and it would keep up to like 30 minutes and you could go back and skip commercials because he hated commercials. But that's as far as he took the idea. Someone else took that same idea. And even though TiVo came and went really fast, it changed the way TV worked for the forever. Like now we have streaming services, but those wouldn't even be offered if TiVo wasn't invented in the first place. So the value is really like what you're willing to do with it. Um, but I like the fact that you said this is more than monetary too. But so for starters, you have to actually do something with the idea. You can't just have be that be that relative like, oh no, I, I thought about Blu-ray technology well before Blu-ray was ever invented. Like, well, why aren't you a billionaire? Yeah. Oh, because you didn't do anything about it. You didn't you didn't even get to pursue that idea. Mm. Um, so now I just don't believe you. <laughs> but at the same time, um, it, it can vastly impact not just your finances, but your life. But I think the main take home is like you have to decide whether that idea is valuable enough to pursue. Hence the reason I write mine down, Logan does the same thing. And then if it's like something I think is a good idea, I will bounce it off of someone else that I trust. Be like, hey, is this, is this as good as it sounds like? Or am I just crazy? Um, and if it passes that filter, like it gets me excited, you know, then, then, I, then I pursue it even further, um, which I know Logan does too, because there's been a lot of implementations in this company that have came from that same process that he had an idea, ran it by Katie, and then it passed her filter. So yeah. then he to us, he passes through our filter and then we implement it and it just changes the way that we serve people and the way that we, we, uh, we help people manifest their, their best healthy, wealthy bodies. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I sit on that is it's only as valuable as, as you're willing to pursue it. 
That's fire. I love that. And I think it's important to, to note that like not every idea is worth pursuing. And I think that's important to understand is like, you know, it's, it's a muscle. And the more you have ideas, the more you start, but the only way you know if it's pursuing is actually by like pursuing some of those ideas. <laughs> so like, it, go, it goes back and forth, <laughs> but, but you're hundred percent right. Like no, like an idea is just an idea until you actually take action on it. Um, and I think that is actually like super powerful as well. John, give me your thoughts on this. Similar, similar, but different to what Tim was saying is to me, if you, if you have an idea, you have a choice to decide, okay, is this a $50 idea or is this a million dollar idea? And if you, if you decide that's a million dollar idea, you stick to it, you are going to find a way to turn it into a million dollar idea, even if it's not, even if it's only like a $1 idea right now. And so it's like, yes, on one hand, I, not all ideas are doing that's 100% true. But if you find one that like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, if you truly decide that, okay, I will find a way to make this worth pursuing and you pursue it, you will inevitably make it worth pursuing, even if it looks totally different by the end of it than, the, than it did at the very beginning. So it's like, yes, there are some bad ideas, but at the same time, you gotta be willing to, willing to work on any of them if you believe it has any level of potential at all, because you will manifest that into a, an amazing idea eventually. Yeah. You know, uh, I actually want to go back to the last slide because I think like like this is important because I think again when it comes to ideas, I think it's just important to understand there's 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 two different types of ideas. There's the, like the hundred percent like you create this whole like thing like it's brand spanking new, never seen before ever, and then or the other ones like you make an existing idea better, right? And like a good example of that is looking at Apple versus looking at Microsoft, right? It's the easiest example ever, and Apple obviously was created by Steve Jobs, or he was actually he's He's one of the creators of, of Apple and he's always been known in our culture as the visionary. Like he's one who created, you know, the iPod. He's the one who created the, 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 the smartphone, the iPad, things like this. Like he's, he's a true visionary in the aspect that he created something that was not, was not there before. Right. Where then you have, you have Bill Gates, right. Who literally bought Microsoft and then he just basically made it better. Right. He just made it a lot better. Um, and what people, I think what people don't really understand is like the difference between Microsoft and Apple from an actual like revenue, not, excuse me, not revenue, but like market share and, and, and value. Right. And like, while Apple actually is valued more like Microsoft crushes, like crushes Apple when it, when it comes to actually, um, the amount of revenue and like how big their businesses and market share. Right. And that's simply like, it, it's, but everyone thinks of. Steve Jobs has been like the, like the amazing entrepreneur because he created something, but ultimately like, and again, like Bill Gates from my personal standpoint, we're not gonna talk about that, but just from like a true business standpoint um, and being a business standpoint, like that's the difference between imagination of like creating something that, like he just made something better versus someone who created something new. Um, and like love Steve Jobs as well. Like obviously like love that guy, hero. But uh, if you actually look at it from that standpoint, like, you know, like, it's not even close if you look at it just from like a, like a number standpoint of how much more successful Microsoft is than Apple. So anyway, that's the, that's kind of I I want to use that example last uh, on the last slide, but uh, I forgot. So now I remembered. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Do you guys have any any feedback on that? Oh, I just think it's good to recognize that while creative imagination sounds really cool and fun and it has tons of value. Like I said earlier, don't be afraid to, to focus on synthetic imagination instead or in addition to that's that's a really concrete example of where both are really valuable, but 
sometimes one has more potential than the other. And I, I do want to chime in with a, a business terminology, uh, opportunity cost. So is your idea worth more than the time that it's going to cost you to pursue that idea? So let's say, and, and I know I'm going to quote Bedros Koulian here, he calls it the idea fairy. Um, so we only have a finite amount of attention, right? Let's say we have 100 marbles. Each marble is a unit of attention. That's what we have. That's all we have to work with. And if you're putting 95% of your attention on your business that's doing very well, and you get this idea fairy that comes in, and it sounds like a really cool idea, but it's going to take away 50%, 50 of your marbles. And now you only have 45 to allocate towards the business already doing really well instead of doubling down and putting that attention back into the business. Is that worth, is that, is that cost of the time and attention worth the cost of pursuing this new idea? So that is, that is actually the, the equation of whether or not it's worth pursuing a new, whether it's the Microsoft or the new idea um, you have to weigh that out too. Like, is it going to be an actual improvement um, ROI wise versus what you're currently doing, or should you just get better at what you're doing? because that's going to, that's going to yield a better result. The, the real dichotomy was like, do you want to be boring and consistent or do you want to go chase shiny objects? I'm brand new. <laughs> most of the time, and I'll just say this bluntly, most of the time, it's not a good trade. Most of the time you should just get better at what you're doing and focus more on what you're doing rather than chasing the brand new shiny idea. Yeah. You know, and what Alex actually does. So Alex Hermosi, uh, one of the good examples out here, because like he was a he was somebody who always preached this, and it was funny because like he was someone who also like did it too. Like he had a chase, right? Because it's just like that's just how, what entrepreneurs do. And so he actually he actually eventually came up with a system, and I'm not sure if like it's something that um, like he, like he still stands by, but something that really that that really resonated with me is like you should always like like have a majority of your of your attention. In this case, he talked about marketing dollars. Like 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 using marketing as a way to experiment. You you, you should always have like, you know, 95% of your marketing dollars go toward what you know and then have a have a percentage of money put aside for you to basically go test and experiment and go like basically like get rid of your shiny object syndrome, right? But make sure you keep the the, the main thing the main thing and then go spend, you know, your you, the other 5% of your marketing dollars on this new thing. And I use that same example. I think about the same thing what you just said, Tim, with what's same thing with attention. Like make sure that you, like from your attention standpoint, keep 95% of your attention on the thing that works, that you know works, and then go like take 5% of your time, you know, maybe the weekends, maybe after hours, I'm going experimenting, like creating a side hustle, like, like trying something different. Um, mm -hmm. But ultimately keep the main thing, the main thing. And that way you get the best of both worlds. Cause if, like, like the thing that you think was a good idea now, it's just not guaranteed. <laughs> you know but if you keep doing those things over and over again you eventually will start to like learn enough that your ideas get better and as your ideas get better then all of a sudden maybe that one time it does click and then all of a sudden then it takes off right so that's what i thought of when i thought of that so um okay that's all i got on this slide um do you guys got anything else that, that you want to add today that's it for me yeah so i, I think the last thing that i'll end on is just that Man, just taking time to actually use your imagination and think um, it's so important and to be able to exercise it. It is very much a skill. It is something that needs to be exercised uh, and do it like and do it on a daily basis. Like think about like your goals, think what you want. Uh, imagine like like asking yourself questions. I think that's the best way, the most tactical way is like ask yourself questions. Why? Well, like what do I want? Why do I want that? How'd that benefit me? How'd it benefit this world? Right? What do I want to look like when I'm when I'm 
at 40 years old? What do I want to act like when I'm 40 years old? Like, what do I want to have? What, like, what do I want to experience? Like, these are the type of questions you ask yourself that starts to create this imaginative juju that it helps you unlimit yourself to saying like, you know, I can't, I won't, I don't, I don't have, you know, I'm not in the best situation. I have kids, whatever it may be. Like all, all the excuses that we all have, like ask better questions. So, all right, that's all we got for today, guys. Um, thank you guys for hopping on. I appreciate you guys' insights. Appreciate the wisdom. This is step five. We'll be back next week with step six of the 13 steps to think and grow rich. So happy Thursday, and we'll chat with you guys all again next week. Bye. See ya.